This is Truth Pop Unplugged. It's another episode of Truth Pop Unplugged. What's up? It's Jake. This is where we dig in, bring you a special interview that we thought is worth your time because we never want to take up your time and not bring you entertainment or something interesting, something to ponder. Currently doing a series of uh, interviews that have to do with the topic discernment. So as we're kicking off season three here, uh, we're talking to some people who have said yes to the the path that God had for them. So we talked to a Focus missionary. Uh, if you want to learn more about Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students, you can check it out at focus.org. I also had the chance to talk to Father uh, Brian Larkin. He's going to be the guest here on this next episode, and he talks about his path to the priesthood and how Focus had an impact on his discernment and you know, the journey that uh, it took from his head to his heart. And that's a really important thing, I think, for discernment is just realizing that, like, God loves us so much. He desires our happiness and our fulfillment. And, uh, you know, it, it takes that time to really trust in his plan and not our plan. And that's what makes us the the happiest. So Father Brian is the pastor of Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in Denver, Colorado. Grew up as the middle child of three boys in his family from uh, Denver. And uh, yeah, just a, a really vibrant pastor that uh, is going to have some some encouragement for you. So Father, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for reaching out. Let's just jump right into your story then. Particularly when you were in college, I understand that you had the Catholic faith from growing up, but it was something that you wrestled with when you got into college. So bring us back to that point in your life. Yeah, I think like so many young people today, faith was something I received from my mother. My dad's not a Catholic. He's, uh, I'm not sure if my dad believes in God yet or not. I, we're working on that. But um, I grew up like I think so many of us, you go to church and it's something you are told to do, but you haven't really owned it and made it your own yet. Sure. I don't know if it was this way for you, but like I went to college and you just kind of wonder, is any of this real? Mm-hmm. You know, is this, is there a good reason to believe that Jesus is God? Is there really such a thing as heaven? Um, or is this kind of, you know, something I was raised with, but just didn't have any reason behind it. Yeah. And so I, so I went to the University of Colorado, which I always say is, you know, one of the most Catholic uh, schools in the country, uh, which if you know anything about CU, it's actually not is a, a very secular place. Hmm. And I went to college not knowing, you know, what I wanted out of life. And I was basically ready to leave the Catholic faith. Hmm. Uh, and so much of that for me was I had so many questions, but I didn't have anyone I could talk to about them. Sure. Yeah. You know, everyone, everyone I knew who was a good Catholic was either like my mom's age or my grandma's age. And I'd never met a Catholic that was kind of my age and yeah. just really loved their faith, right? Right. I can relate to that. Yeah, I think I think so many people can today. And so I was at CU and I got plugged into a focused Bible study and um, it's kind of a miracle I actually even went. Uh, but I did and I felt like, you know, I need to give this a chance. And t- there's two big things that were important for me in that moment the first one was that I was um, I was always nervous that faith is kind of for nerds, not to yeah. say that in a mean way, um, but I think a lot of people think that. You know? Oh yeah, like, for sure. And so I was, I thought I, I'm going to go to this Bible study and it's probably going to be a bunch of strange guys. And so I, I took a chance to so go once I went and I was blown away because it was normal. It was hmm. 
normal guys. The Bible study leader was, he was probably about 25 or 26. And he's just a normal guy. He's funny, he's relatable. And the guys in the Bible study seemed just like me. They're just kind of normal college men. And that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, really big deal. And so that was one thing. And so that that's kind of what got me in the door. I said, you know, I'll go back. This is not strange. You seem like kind of cool guys. So I went back and that was kind of the hook. But with time, what happens, and I think this is such a common story, is that people today have really good questions about the faith. And that's probably always been the case. There's so many big questions out there. And if you go long enough without getting an answer to the faith or to the questions you have about the faith, you start to think that maybe the reason you're not getting an answer is because there isn't one. Hmm. And and so what I did is I, our Bible study leader, uh, a guy named John Zimmer, mm-hmm. I, every week I was like, my mind was coming alive and I was like, okay, you know, all the normal questions, how do we really know Jesus is God? Like, is there any way to really know that? Do we even know he exists, that he existed in history? Um, yeah. And so I started asking questions and hit everything from the, the basics of like, yeah, Jesus and does God exist? Worked my way all the way through, you know, the normal Catholic kind of questions. You know, why do we pray to Mary? Um, why, why do you have to go to a priest for confession? And, and what I found was slowly uh, John was able to answer my questions. Hmm. And not just kind of like, oh, wow, that was, he had an answer for it. It was much, it was like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's compelling. And then the magical thing, I think, in God's grace, what really was going on in that time was, I started to trust, hmm. right? Because I think, I don't know, Jake, if you have had this experience, but I think so many people, you kind of start and you want to answer every question. That's you right. You answer for every question. Yes. Right? Um, but eventually something that has to happen is you have to have faith. Yeah. And it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith where you just turn off your mind. But if, if, if someone gives you a great answer, you know, 50 times, you start to think that the 51st answer is probably going to be a good answer too. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in my college years and I joined that focused Bible study, I started to trust and I started to learn that, wow, God, like in the Catholic church, there's, this is real. And, and I started thinking, you know what, instead of having a stance where my first kind of reaction is to think the church isn't going to have a good answer or it's not trustworthy, slowly over time, it flips. And I started thinking, you know what, I'm just, I'm really starting to trust Jesus and I'm starting to trust the church. It's a really beautiful thing. Uh, It it reminds me of what G.K. Chesterton talks about in uh, his book, Orthodoxy, that, you know, when we only rely on reason, you know, we're, we're really just banging our head against the wall. And you talk about that leap of faith that's just so needed. And at the same time, it opens up so much more freedom in our lives. So I've been talking to Father Brian Larkin, and he's a Focus alum, also pastor at Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in Denver, Colorado. And Father, Focus has played a huge role in your life, shaping your faith and helping you to fall back into that. And what I'm really curious about then is like, how did the transformation continue to play out in terms of the priesthood? Was it something that you started thinking about right away, or was that down the road? It was down the road. I yeah. <clears throat> I didn't want to be a priest. 
had no interest. I sure. was in love with every focus girl on campus. <laughs> um, really did did not want to be a priest. I ran from it. And yeah, were you thinking joke. about it though when you were in college? At least, like, did you feel like the Holy Spirit was stirring at that point, or was it just completely yeah. off your radar? It was. It was late for me. It was late in college. It was okay, senior year really. And it's. I always joke, you know, when I talk about men discerning priesthood, one of the things I talk about is that. We, I think we kind of put the cart before the horse. Sure. That oftentimes in the Catholic faith, we tell people, we, we see a guy who's under age 60 at Mass, <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, you need to be a priest. Yep, you know? yep. And, so, someone sign him up right now. Right? And it doesn't funny. work that way. And I think what's so important for us is, it's not that we promote the priesthood, it's that we promote Jesus. Amen. And if that happens, and that's a focus thing for me, was I didn't, I didn't, you know, kind of fall in love with priesthood. I had no interest. Hmm. I fell in love with Christ. Yeah. And I was like, he's everything. And I, I just became convinced through my love of, of him. And as I learned my faith, that what the world needed wasn't, they, we didn't need more lawyers, you know? And yeah. No offense if you're a lawyer. Yeah. You're a lawyer. No, I'm in radio, uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure what you would say about that one, but. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I just became convinced. I'm like, what we need is we need people who love God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is what people are dying for. And so, so I became convinced that I needed to be a, a person who spread the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that was my life. And I, and I did, I thought, you know, I'm probably not going to do that as a priest. I'm going to do that as a married man. Sure. Kids. And, uh, but I always say, you know, like, like even today we, you know, we, we say that to young men, we say, have you thought about priesthood? And it's like, that's like someone asking you to get married before you've gone on a date. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's putting things backwards. We just have to get people to love God, but, but my story was eventually what happened. I ran from priesthood, didn't want it. My senior year of college, my roommate, who was also in the same Bible study, uh, he was a year behind me, so he was a junior. And <clears throat> going into my senior year, he would have been going into his junior year. Mm-hmm. He left our university, University of Colorado, go Buffs, and he went to study for priesthood. Hmm. And it made me realize, it was the first time in my life that I realized that I had never really asked God what he wanted. Hmm. I had always been, and my roommate Nate made me realize that. I was like, okay, God, uh, marriage, great, cool. Glad yeah. you did that. Yeah. You know? Just assuming he's going to sign off on it right away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so Nate was the first one who made me ask the question. And, and try to be honest about it before God. Um, and so I think that of my kind of journey to priesthood in a, in a more, at least, defined way. Mm-hmm. Broke up with this girl I had kind of started to date. Uh, and uh, then I became a missionary. And, and really the, the key for me, I think, um, my affection for God grew. Hmm. And I, it was one of those moments that I, I was a... First year focused missionary. I served in Helena, Montana that year. <clears throat> and I'd just been praying about it and I'd been wrestling with it and I didn't want to be a priest. Hmm. But I found joy uh, in helping people find Jesus and yeah. realizing that like their life is more than success or yeah. comfort or any of these things. And I realized, like, Lord, I have such joy serving you. Hmm. And I, there was a sort of interior call. And I think, I think that, you know, looking back at my experience, there's, there's more that was really theologically going on. Sure. But the, that's how it felt at the time. I was like, yeah. you know, 
I love this, and I feel like God has called me to to come follow Him in a, in a deeper yeah. way. It sounds like you know more and more as you continue to open yourself up to that possibility and you know, opening yourself up to that love of God, that there really was that outpouring of joy and excitement about the possibility of priesthood then. Did you experience that right away in seminary then? Yeah, by the time I went to seminary, I was pretty pretty confident that that was where I was yeah. supposed to go. And I loved it. It was it really was joyful. You awesome. know, there's, you, you quoted Chesterton. There's a great quote I use a lot in my preaching uh, from... Uh, I always forget if it's uh, Oscar Wilde or T.S. Eliot. I think it's Oscar Wilde. But it says that a, a cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. I love that line. Oh, Oscar I was Wilde, yeah. Going to, yeah, Oscar Wilde. Is it Oscar Wilde? Yeah, Oscar yeah. Wilde. I, I love that. Like, I was a cynic, you know, for a long time sure. where I just counted the cost. I was like, oh, my gosh, if I became a priest, like – and get to have that beautiful wife, you know, yeah. and those kids and right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just, it was all about the cost. Yeah. And, and you're right in saying that. I'm like, there's just a joy. I was like, this is like, there's a freedom that I didn't expect and a joy. Hmm. And, and I think, you know, every vocation, um, I, I don't like the, that word too much, but that's another story. But <laughs> every, every person's life when they decide to serve Christ. Yeah they experience that joy. Yeah. And when we say, you know what, Lord, like it's counterintuitive. The world tells me I want to, you know, just kind of live for me and the way to happiness is comfort and all these things. But there's this, the Christian secret is that when you lose your life, that's when you actually find it. And I mean, now you look at what's going on at your parish father. And I've been able to see a little bit of that myself just through watching your mass unformed. I mean, it's just, it's so clear that the parish is thriving. I mean, there's just so much good going on there. So a lot of people also say that there's just a tremendous young adult community there at Our Lady of Lords. Tell us about that. And, and what is that? I don't want to say that secret sauce because obviously we know it's rooted in the Eucharist, but what, what have you been doing to bring young people into your church and keeping them Catholic in such a difficult and confusing time in their life? Yeah. God's done amazing things in my parish. Yeah. And, and I'm so grateful to him. I was a real skeptic when I came here. I've been here uh, six and a half years almost. Yeah. And when I came, I knew the parish. I knew it when I was studying for priesthood. And it was honestly just kind of a dead parish. They almost it has a school, and both the school and the parish were almost closed. Um, and I was, you know, God really proved me wrong. It was one of those great moments where I was angry at him. I got my assignment, and I was like, God, what are we doing here? Hmm. You know, why? Wow. why are, and there's all these parishes right around me, and I was like, shouldn't we go somewhere that needs more help, you know, for more priests and sure. a place where there's less parishes? And, yeah. But what happened was that, and I, don't, I think everyone knows this, it's, it's simple, but it's difficult. And the um, assuming, you know, of course, it, anybody who's a priest knows, you know, prayer is in union with Christ. You know, it's John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So mm -hmm. we have to be rooted in Christ. But the real key, if you, if you want to perish to grow, there's two starting points that you just have to do well. Um, and those two points are preaching and you have to have good music. And so like, so Jake, when you go to mass, I'm I mean, 
as we grow in our faith, right, mm-hmm. the Eucharist, we, we really understand that yeah. no matter what those two things are like, yeah. the Eucharist is the center. Yeah. But I bet you still like getting a good sermon. Oh, absolutely. Having good music. Absolutely. Well, I would think especially young people, too, um, because I know as a young person myself and, you know, you as well, that we don't want anything fake, right? Like, we want the true, the good, the beautiful, and music is really exemplified in the true, the good, and the beautiful, as well as good preaching, right? Because we don't want things sugarcoated. We don't want, you know, people just to be told, oh, like, you can go to Mass on Sunday and then do whatever else you want throughout the week. Like, no, like, we want the truth, and the truth is found in the Gospel of Christ. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that, that, you know, good preaching and good music really helps the church to come alive. This is so important to talk to you about as well. Um, because I think that there might be some young men who come across this conversation and they, they want to know, well, that's great. Like, you know, Father has a great parish. Everything is going great. But what about me? You know, like, what do I do if I'm thinking about the priesthood? And maybe that person doesn't even really want it. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, the key is not how things go. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when you're discerning priesthood, you know, the the way I like to look at this, if, you, if, if you're out there and you're discerning priesthood, you should, you should read the uh, Gospel of Matthew in chapter 19. And, and there's, a, there's a really powerful paradigm there that's, you know, the rich young man, he asks Jesus, he says, teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And let me ask you, I ask Jake, I ask people this all the time. Uh, and sometimes we get it right. So let's see, do you know what, what Jesus responds with? I'm blanking right now, Father. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so <clears throat> no, but in Matthew 19, so he says, "What do I have to do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus says, "Obey the commandments." Hmm. Yeah. And and he's in the and the conversation continues. The rich young man says, "You know, Jesus lists uh, four of the commandments, and that's another." deeper conversation, but there, he says, you know, obey these commandments, and the rich young man says, all of these I have kept from my youth, mm-hmm. what still do I lack? Yeah. And then Jesus responds one last time, and he says, if you would be perfect, go sell your possessions, mm-hmm. give to the poor, and come follow me. And this, to me, that's, the key question is not what is my parish going to look like? Hmm. It's actually not even if I'm going to be a priest or not. Yeah. The early, the early church, and really for at least a thousand years, the early church spoke this way about how to be a Christian. And, and what they said is, there's really two ways to be a Christian. You want to go to heaven, which is what, you know, Christianity is about living the life of heaven, union with Christ, living the life of heaven. And there's two ways to do that. And, and the first way all of us have to follow which is the way of the commandments. But the second way is if you would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And so the early church called that the way of perfection or the way of the councils. And, and this is a little deep, but, <clears throat> but just to simplify that, the question, if, if you're out there discerning priesthood, and I look back at my time, I didn't know this language yet when I was you know, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. But this is what happened in my life was I was discerning, I knew I had to obey the commandments, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, and I wanted to follow God that way. But the question for me was, 
am I called to leave everything behind and follow hmm. Christ? And and I think that's the way we should be asking that question is um, whatever comes will come. And if and if you know I didn't become a priest knowing that things would go well, and yeah. they might not still, you know, I don't know yeah. what the future holds. Right. The question is, Lord, am I supposed to give you everything? And and it's at a certain point in my discernment, the answer had to be yes. Hmm. That Jesus was asking me to to leave behind my other life and to trust Him. You know that mm-hmm. you know it would be hard if He was like, okay, your life is just going to be pure misery from now on out. Right. Um, but I was so enamored, and I think that's the key for young men and women as well. If you're a young woman. Um, you can be very saintly, of course, in a married life. There are great saints sure. uh, who are married. But there is something, and the church has always talked about this, is that there are some of us who Jesus points at you and he says, go leave everything behind and come follow me. Hmm. And so so I would encourage young men out there, like, you're going to think about it, and I did too, and that's totally fair. Uh but th- th- that's not the essential question. The essential question is, has God called me to, to belong to him? Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that kind of make sense? It does. And I would think, Father, that, you know, at least from my own discernment process where, you know, I, I was like, you know, should I be a priest? And I'm married now. I felt like the only way I really started to know that answer was through spending time with Jesus in adoration, right? Like it's through coming to know him and as you mentioned, falling in love with who Jesus is, not doing things out of obligation, but rather, you know, falling in love with what he's asking. And I think that really comes through prayer. And I'm sure that's the case for your experience too. Yeah, you pray about it and you have to make a decision. I do yeah. tell people that. I say, you know, you, you're you not going to get a letter. I hope I hope you do. If you get a letter in the mail from <laughs> Jesus telling you, you know, what to do. Like, well, someone track down his address yeah. then too, because I might need that down the road. <laughs> Right. Like, that's pretty awesome. But, but for most of us, that doesn't happen. Right. And, and at a certain point, you've got to say, I'm a God gave me freedom. And I, and, you know, Archbishop Shapu mm-hmm. uh, was the Bishop of Denver when I was in seminary and he, he ordained me a priest. And I remember I was really nervous about what if I make the wrong decision, you know, mm-hmm. is God going to be upset? And he was really helpful because he always told me, he said, Brian, you would be a great husband and a father, and you'd, you'd be a great priest. And he said, if you if you wouldn't be a great husband and father, I would never accept you into the seminary. That's right. Yeah. And that was such a great line, because it gave me freedom of, God isn't going to be angry at me, depending on which way I go, but he wants me to freely choose. Yeah. Am I, am I going to give my life to him? And if he calls and says, Brian, come follow me. And I felt that. I, you know, I hmm. prayed a lot with that. I thought a lot about it. I never got a letter in the mail. Hmm. Um, but at a certain point, and one of the things that focus helped me with was, I think, and I'm sure Jake, you've experienced this in married life. Yeah. We have to give our life away. Yeah. Amen. And when you do that, that's, again, this is the secret of the Christian is that the world tells us that when you give your life away, it's going to be miserable. Right. And the truth is, is that if you do it in love and if you do it in God, it can be really hard still. It, it is really hard still, but it's it brings joy. So, uh, well said. Yeah, I mean, right, and isn't, I think that's one of the things that 
married people and priests and religious sisters, all of us know the truth of that kind of life. Yeah, because I think there's a mistake in saying, well, if I'm not called the priesthood, then I'm off the hook, right? Because then I can just go off and get married and have as much fun as I want. No, because marriage is a different cross. Like, it's like St. Maximilian Kolbe, right? He was given two different crowns and he had the choice to choose. Mm -hmm. And well, I mean, it's not like one path of life is going to be free of suffering, void of suffering. No, like God is calling us to uh, a joyful experience in his redemption and, you know, joining him in the passion. And, you know, and that's what you're called to do as a priest father. And I know that so many people are just so grateful for your yes and for what you do at your parish. Closing thoughts then, Father, for that young person, just a little bit of hope for that young person who just wants to continue to live out their faith on a college campus. Whether or not they have focus, I don't know. But it's hard. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith in college. So what's that hope that you want to give to them? Yeah, I mean, two maybe just really brief thoughts would be one is that your life just matters. And we don't we don't oftentimes feel like that. When I was a college kid at, at CU, I was just trying to hold my stuff together and trying yeah. to like be a good student and have friendships and follow God at some level. And I never knew what would happen in my life. And what I would say is that your life matters. Hmm. And you are not called. God didn't create you to kind of make it through life and have, you know, just kind of a fun life. He created you to change the world. He created you to be a saint. And we need men and women out there. We need men and women of courage. And that's my second point would be that St. Thomas Aquinas, when he talks about courage, he says that courage is the willingness to suffer for something good. Hmm. So courage doesn't mean that I'm invincible. The, the person who is courageous, that person knows that they're going to suffer, but they're willing to suffer because there's something so good that's worth suffering for. And what I would encourage you to is I know that you're in a hard place. I know a lot of people don't love our faith on college campuses, but we have something worth suffering for. You have a God who loves you, who has the truth and the fullness of goodness and beauty, and the saints are out there praying for you. And if anyone in this world has something that they can say, I have something worth suffering for, it's us. And so be that person. You know you can be that person. You know that God is calling you to be that person. And I promise you that you will find joy when you do it. Amen. Father Brian Larkin, he's a pastor at Our Lady of Lords Church in Denver and a Focus alum. Uh, Father, it's just been a great conversation, and I really appreciate the time, and I also want to assure you of our prayers for your ministry. Likewise. Thanks, Jake. Really appreciate it. This is Truth Pop Unplugged.